awake. Uh, anyway, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the Revelation chapter 12, the book of the Revelation chapter 12. Today we finally close our study on spiritual warfare. This is our 14th lesson, and I don't know if you can believe it, we spent 14 weeks on this. Now we took off the last couple of weeks because of Mother's Day and uh, something else that we took off for. I don't remember now what, oh, Lord's Supper. So anyway, we want to finish our study on spiritual warfare today as we look at overcoming Satan, who is the accuser. Overcoming Satan as the accuser. So in the book of the Revelation, chapter 12, let's begin with verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent. Now this is talking about after the tribulation period here. This is talking about, you know, at the end times here. And the old serpent called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world, was cast out into the earth, and his angels was cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, who accused them before God night and day. And in verse 11 is where we want to focus this morning. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, first of all. The second way we see they overcome him is by the word of their testimony. And the third thing is they loved not their lives unto death. They loved not their lives unto death. Now here in the Revelation, God gives us insight on just how those who will make it into heaven out of the tribulation will overcome Satan and his demons. And the same is true for you and me today. We will never, and we must understand this, we will never on our own strength, we will never on our own power be able to overcome the temptations from the evil one. We will never on our own power, on our own strength, be able to overcome the attacks of the evil one. We will never on our own strength or our own power be able to overcome the oppressions that the evil one brings upon us, you know, and he and his evil forces. Now, if there's hope for us overcoming these temptations in our life, if there's hope for us becoming victorious in our life over the sins that so easily beset us, as Paul said, then it can only be done one way. And what John is saying here, or Jesus, should we say, as he's dictating to John, it is by the blood of the Lamb. This is the only way we're going to be able to be victorious over Satan and his demonic forces. Look at verse 11a. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. We must understand that the blood of the Lamb, who is speaking about Jesus Christ there, has everything to do with our ability in overcoming Satan and his evil forces. When Jesus speaks about the blood of the Lamb, he's making reference to our being washed in his blood. In other words, he's making reference to our salvation. If you are not saved, you will not be able to overcome Satan and his forces when they come at you and attack you and tempt you and bring oppression into your life. Only, Jesus says, by the blood of the Lamb, which brings about salvation, and is speaking about the precious blood of Jesus that was shed on Mount Calvary 
for our sins. This is the first thing needed, folks, in order to be able to overcome Satan and his forces, and that is knowing Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Listen to me. If you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, you're going to remain in your sins, and those sins are going to send you straight to hell because you've never been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. If it just seems like you can never overcome sin within your life, if it seems like you can never you know, just say no to Satan, you better see if you've truly been to the cross because if you haven't been to the cross, you're going to continually give in to those temptations of Satan because you're living your life for Satan you haven't been washed in the blood. You do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If a person has never been washed in the blood of the Lamb, they'll never be able to experience victory over Satan because they do not possess the Holy Spirit of God within their life, which is the one who gives the strength and power to be victorious over Satan. Think about this. Without the shedding of blood, the Bible tells us there's no remission of sin. Paul was clear on that. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. But think about this. Without remission of sin, there is, never, uh, there is no overcoming Satan and his demonic beings. So if you haven't been saved, you're going to continue in your sin. If you haven't been saved, you're going to continue you know, following the leads, if you please, of Satan. You're going to continue to give in to those temptations of Satan. You have to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. There has to be remission of your sin or there is not ever going to be victory in your life. Now, the second way that we overcome, the, uh, that we are overcome Satan is in 11b there. By the word of their testimony. Now you say, what in the world does the word of our testimony have to do with being victorious over the enemy? Now in the Greek, the word used here for testimony can also mean witness or it can also mean our reputation, you know? In other words, what is our reputation? Our reputation is based on the way we live our life. Would that not be a fair statement? In other words, your reputation among those in your family, your reputation among those in your church, your reputation among those within the community is based on the way you live your life. And if you're not living a life for God, you've probably got a bad reputation among those that you're around. I believe this has to do with, has everything to do with the way we live our life. Now look, the Christian victory is a life of dependence on and obedience to God. And what I mean by that is of dependence on Him who without we can do nothing. Without depending upon Jesus Christ to help us fight this spiritual battle, folks, we're going to lose on a daily basis. And of obedience to Him in our keeping His commandments. You see, if you are not keeping the commandments of God, if you are not living by the Word of God, then you're being controlled by Satan. And people don't like hearing that. Well, I ain't going to let Satan control my life. Yes, you are. If you're not depending, on, uh, depending upon Jesus, and if you're not living a life of obedience, look, 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 folks, society wants to tell us there's a middle ground, but there's not a middle ground. It's either black or it's white. You're either living for Christ or you're living for the devil. And, and you can't blame someone else if you're living for the devil. And vice versa, you can't blame someone else if you're living for Christ. 
Those are decisions we make in life. No one makes that decision for you if you're going to live for Christ or the devil. You make that decision for yourself. And as we're going to see here in just a moment, there are consequences for those decisions that you make in your life. When we depend on him and when we're obedient to him, no matter what the enemy may throw our way, there is great reward in this life and also the life to come. And that testimony would be impossible without the shedding of the blood of the Lamb. Now, the third thing, you know, that factors into our overcoming the evil one is not loving our own lives. In other words, you know, it's, our, it's loving the world more than we love Christ. Look at this, the last part, 11C. And they loved not their lives unto death. Now, what does he mean by that? What would not loving our lives unto death have to do with our ability of overcoming Satan? I believe that John is saying here, their love for Christ, the love that they truly had for Christ, overcame their love for themselves and their fear of death. You see, when we truly love Christ, folks, you know, we're not, we're not afraid to lose our life for him. Don't say, I love Jesus, but I'm not willing to die for him. What if Jesus would have said, I come because the Father so loved the world, you know, that he gave me, but I'm not willing to die for old Gene, okay? I'm not willing to die for old Gerald. No. These people, during the tribulation period, are going to love Jesus more than their fear of death. Do you love him more than fear of death? Are you willing to give your life for the testimony that you say you have in Christ? That's what he's talking about here. We must not forget that Jesus is victory over Satan, and because he is victory, we too can be victorious if we choose to be. Paul said this in Colossians. We're going to throw it up here. I pulled it out of the New Living Translation because I like the way that it read. Here's what he said. You, are, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature. Now, when he's talking dead, he's talking about dead spiritually. In other words, there was no contact with God. There was no Holy Spirit within your life. Spiritually, you was a dead person because of your sinful nature. It, was cut, it hadn't been cut out of the way. Then he goes on and he said, then God made you alive in Christ. Isn't that great? When you confessed your sins, when you asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and come into your heart, you know, Paul is saying that at that point you were made, made alive in Christ and all of your sins were forgiven. Let's read on there. And he canceled the record of the charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he, look at this, in this way, what way is he talking about? He's talking about salvation. He's talking about our sins being forgiven as a result of the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, look what he says here. This is great. In this way, verse 15, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. You know what he's saying? Because of your salvation, Jesus Christ disarmed the enemy. He disarmed them. In other words, if you're saved, 
If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, when the enemy comes before you, he doesn't have anything to defeat you with. Jesus has disarmed him from anything that can defeat you. Now, you can give in to him. You can surrender to him. But the Bible says that Jesus done away with everything. He disarmed Satan. Now, look at this. And he shamed him publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Do you see what he's saying there? <coughs> Satan has no victory over you. If you're involved in sin, don't blame Satan. Blame yourself. You see, we're always wanting to put the blame on someone else, are we not? Well, it was the way I was raised. My mama was that way. My daddy was that way. My great, 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 great uncle was that way. I mean, we're always wanting to blame someone else. But listen to me, folks. We've got to start taking responsibility where responsibility lies. It's the decisions we personally make. It's no one else's fault. And again, what Paul is saying right here is Jesus disarmed Satan from being able to destroy you, from being able to hurt you, from being able to overcome you. Once we're saved, dead to our sins, we're now alive in Christ, and he has nailed our sins to the cross. He says he cast them as far as the east is from the west, and because he has gained victory over Satan and his forces, listen, because Jesus has gained victory over Satan and his forces, we too can claim victory over him through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Praise God. Now, there's three uh, uh, sources of trouble within our life. In other words, three sources that bring trouble in our life that really can hinder us, okay? Though we have victory over Satan and his forces, there are many things in life that sometimes hinders us from defeating Satan. And here's just three of them. We could have named quite a few. But there's three things, at least, that will hinder us from being victorious over Satan. The first one is the world which in, in which we live. Okay? Pull this out of the new living again. Look what it says here. Satan, who is the God of this world. Who's the God of this world? Satan. He is the prince and the power of the air, we're told. But Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Now, not believers, but unbelievers. Those who are not saved, those who are lost, Satan has blinded their minds. And sometimes it's to the point they can't even hear truth. This society in which we live, they don't want to hear truth to begin with. And sometimes you look at people and say, why can't they see this? Well, right here's why. Satan has blinded their minds. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They can't comprehend it, okay? They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ who is the exact likeness of God. Look, once we're saved, folks, all things change in this spiritual battle. All things change. A lost person, a person who has never accepted Christ as their personal Savior, 
The problem is they're so focused on the things of this world that they're not able to understand the gospel message. They're not able to comprehend the love of God. They're not able to comprehend the fact that, 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 that they can be victorious if they've been washed in the blood. Look at this. When we're more focused on the world and the things of it than we are the things of God, that is going to hinder our ability to overcome Satan, who is the God of this world. And the sad thing about it is even those who are true believers can get so focused on the world that they totally are blinded to the truths of God's word. They may know what the truth says, but they don't want to be a part of it. They don't want to have a part of it. Why? Because they're enjoying the things of the world. The things of the world are more exciting to them than the things of God. And how sad many has gotten to that point in their life. Because Satan is the God of this world. It stands the reason that when we're focused on this world, don't miss this. When we're focused on this world, in reality, we're focused on Satan because he is the God of this world. Now, the next thing I want you to see here is the consequences for our own sins. Turn with me, if you would, to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6. I want to talk just for a moment about the consequences of our sin. You see, a lot of people don't understand there is a consequence for decisions you make in life. People don't want to hear that. That's one of those things they want to be blinded to or deaf to. I don't want to hear that there's a consequence for my wrongdoing. Here's what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 9. Be not deceived. Now, who is the master of deception? Let me hear it. Satan. In other words, don't let Satan deceive you about something here, folks, is what he says. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Now, look at this. Here's the point he don't want us to be deceived about. And if Satan can deceive you about consequences, he is going to do it. Here, here's why. Because if he can deceive me about consequences, if he can convince me there's no consequence for the decision I make, then what? I'm going to make it because there's nothing to fear. There's no consequence. So he says, God's not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. Oh, don't miss this. Whatever a man soweth, that is what he's going to reap. You reap evil, guess what? Are you sow evil, guess what you're going to reap? Evil. Why? Because that's the consequence of sowing evil. You sow good, what are you going to reap? Good, because that's the consequence of sowing good. Let's read on, verse 8. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap, oh, reap life everlasting. And let us not, verse 9, be weary in well-doing. <laughs> Look at this. Let, 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 don't be weary. Be patient. Be patient because here's what he says. For in due season, in other words, there will come a time. It may not be immediately, 
But in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Now, one thing lacking in the hearts and the minds of people today is that there is going to be consequences for decisions that we make in life. Please understand that. You make a bad decision, you're going to reap something bad. You make a good decision, you're going to reap something good. Okay? Now, what did Paul put it this way. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. Anybody know what this is up on the screen? Mustards. Debbie planted mustards in those beds. Do you believe that? Y'all don't believe she planted mustards? Why don't you believe she planted mustards? Because it's squash? In other words, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't plant mustard seed and get squash? Why not? Because whatsoever a man soweth, what? That shall he reap. You see, if I told you that, you know, she planted uh, uh, mustards in this, you know, you'd tell me I'm crazy because you can't plant mustard trees and grow squash. You know that. Then why don't you understand you can't sow bad deeds and reap good deeds? There's a consequence. There's a consequence. By the way, we... Uh, I put on Facebook the other day, and it looks like I'm on. She got three of these beds like that, and we've been getting squashed like crazy. There's more coming in today. Breakfast, dinner, and supper, we're getting squash. <laughs> fried squash. I like fried squash anyway. Anybody need some squash? Huh? Anyway, oh, I better not give her squash away. I'm sorry, Mama. Okay, here, here's the thing, okay? Paul is saying you can't plant evil seeds of the devil during your life and expect to reap righteous fruit of God in this life nor in eternity. Do you hear what we're saying? You sow bad deeds, you're going to reap bad deeds. That's just the way it is. That's the way God has set it up. If you sow good while you're here on this earth, expect to reap good here on this earth. Understand there are consequences for both good and and evil, and the great thing about this is, listen, the great thing about consequences is that you choose what the consequence is going to be. Now, you say, whoa, whoa, how do I choose what the consequence in my life is going to be? Because you choose to do good or you choose to do evil. Therefore, if you choose to do good, the consequence of that good, in due season is what he says, you're going to reap good. But on the other hand, you choose to sow bad or evil, and the consequence is going to be bad or it's going to be evil. Now, the third source of trouble in our life is this, Satan and his forces of evil. Turn with me to Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6. Paul wants us to clearly understand something here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. And I think we started off this study with this passage of Scripture. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle, in other words, this war that we're in, this battle that we're in, we must understand, he's saying here, it's not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, it's against the powers, 
It's against the world uh, 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 forces of darkness. It's against spiritual forces of uh, wickedness in heavenly places. Because we're not able to see see these invisible forces that we're fighting, folks, that we're in battle with, that's why we got to be totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit to fight those battles. And the only way we can depend upon the Holy Spirit to fight those battles is through the blood of the Lamb. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ, and he will fight it for us. Now, the final things is this, keys to being victorious over oppression. As I mentioned last last study, you know, Christians cannot, a true Christian cannot be demon-possessed, okay? Why? Because they already possess the Holy Spirit. But they can experience demonic oppression. And it's sad that many people within our churches today are going through some type of demonic oppression and they, they, they're losing battles day and night because of it. The first thing is this. It takes prayer, folks. Prayer. Paul said with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And, and, and with this in view, Be on the alert with all perseverance, petitions of the saints. He's saying the way to be victorious, first of all, is through prayer. Now, listen, we're not talking here about 911 prayers. What's a 911 prayer? Call in case of an emergency. And how sad that many people in our churches, they do not have a consistent prayer life. They only go to God in the case of an emergency that arises within their life. Folks, that's not praying like Paul said to pray here. If all you do is call on God during times of emergency, don't expect your prayer to be heard. And I'm not talking here about Hail Mary prayers. Now you say, what in the world is a Hail Mary prayer? A Hail Mary prayer is someone who doesn't have a consistent prayer life, but what do they do? They just throw a prayer up, hoping it'll land on the ears of God. I hope God hears this. Can, can I tell you something? Without being too rude or crude, God don't answer Hail Mary prayers. God doesn't answer 911 prayers. God answers prayer like what Paul talked about here. Sincere prayers from a person who has a consistent prayer life. So if all you're doing is throwing up 911 prayers or Hail Mary prayers, you're wasting your breath. Now, I know you're saying you don't have the right to say that. Well, uh, I'm just going by what Scripture says. Take it up with God. Look at here. With all prayer and petition, what does he say? Pray at all times. At all times. Paul is instructing us here to pray in the Spirit all times and to stay alert and to be persistent in your prayers. The second thing is dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Turn to John 16, the Gospel of John chapter 16. So first thing is prayer. Second thing is dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Jesus speaking here in John chapter 16. He has this to say. 
But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. After Jesus went away, he said, I'm going to send another, the comforter, to be with you. So when the Holy Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. In other words, he will be our mediator between God and ourselves through our prayers. Jesus is telling us that once a person is saved by way of receiving the Holy Spirit of God within their life, they can then depend on him to guide us in how and what we should pray for. Look, and once we learn total dependence on the Holy Spirit, we're going to see everything about our prayer life and our spiritual life completely change. And the third thing is standing firm in faith, perseverance and patience. Perseverance and patience. Look, we're not promised as children of God that this battle is going to be easy. Nowhere does God promise the battle will be easy. But we are promised this, that our commander-in-chief will make everything that we need to win this battle at our disposal. That's what he promises. It's right here. It's going to be a tough battle. It's going to be a hard battle. But I've given you everything you need. Everything you need is at your disposal to win this battle. God's assurance to us of victory in Christ is right at our fingertips. We just got to reach out and grab it. Hebrews 12. 1 through 3 says, Wherefore, seeing that we are uh, compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay, every side, lay aside every weight and sin that doeth so easily beset, uh, beset us. What's he say there? Lay aside every weight and sin. Would that not infer that we have the ability to do that? He says, for us to lay it aside. Let's read on. And let us run the race with patience, the race that is set before us. Now look at this. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your mind. And he gives us some more assurance as he says this. Now thanks be to God which always, always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every here we must understand that everything that we need to fight this spiritual battle that we're in God has made available to us if you are saved let me tell you if you are saved everything you need to say no to the devil is right before you everything you need to say no to a sin that's in your life is right before you everything you need to be victorious over Satan is right before you 
God has made it, uh, put it at your disposal. All you got to do is reach out and get it. If not, you're going to continue living in the sin you're in. And what does that mean? That means that's your choice. And what does that mean? That means there's a consequence for that lifestyle that you have chose to live. We must take everything God has set before us and and put them to use within our life in order that we're going to be able to stand against Satan and his evil forces. Listen, folks, this battle that we're in, it's not some weekend war that we're going to walk away from in, in a couple of hours and forget about. No, this is for keeps, folks. This battle that we're in, it's for keeps. It's a life or a death fight to the finish against Satan and his demonic forces. But if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, listen, you do not have the spiritual needs available to you, okay, to fight this battle that you're in. You're going to continue to give in to Satan. You're going to continue to give in to sin. You're going to continue in the sin that you are in because what you need to overcome that, you do not have within you. But you know what? The blood of Jesus Christ was shed for all. Was shed for all. And without the blood, there is no remission of sin. What remission mean? It means there's no forgiveness. No forgiveness whatsoever. You will never be able to overcome the attacks of Satan until you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. You'll never be able to do it on your own, so stop trying. Stop trying. Turn your heart and your life over to Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus Christ and say, Lord Jesus, I don't understand this blood stuff, but Lord, I do understand that I am sowing some bad seed in my life. And now I understand why I'm reaping some bad things in my life. So, Lord, give me the ability. Give me the ability to fight this battle I'm in. Forgive me, a sinner. Come into my life. Save my soul. And you know what? When you pray that prayer with sincerity, God's going to forgive your sins. He's going to cast them as far as the east is from the west. The Holy Spirit of God will take up residence within your life. And at that moment, everything you need to fight this spiritual battle is going to be at your disposal. But not until then. You know Christ is your personal Savior? If not, in just a moment, we're going to sing a song of invitation. And we're going to invite you to come. Let us tell you more about how to be saved. and How to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Child of God, if, you're, if you've been in this spiritual battle and you're continually losing, it's not God's fault. Because he's had everything at your disposal to be successful. It's because you're making bad choices is why you're reaping bad things. Take the spiritual weapons that God has given you. Let those fight the devil for you begin making good choices begin sowing good seed and you're going to find yourself beginning to reap good things in your life let's pray